When you begin to read the Bible, it often produces all kinds of questions. Uh, many people even become consumed at times with curiosity. So I get questions like, what, what do angels look like? And what does this verse mean? And why did, why did this happen? And to an extent that's good, we should all think and try to understand what God is, God is telling us. But there's a lot of things that we are really curious about and interested in that the Lord doesn't yet reveal to us. But in the passage that we're looking at today, it's, it's a very fascinating, intriguing passage because for just a moment, the Bible just pulls back the curtain and shows us an inside look into the very throne room of God. So Job doesn't know what's about to happen or why it's going to happen, but you and I know because God has revealed to us what was taking place in this dialogue between him and Satan. And so today as we look at the first chapter of Job, verses 6 through 12, we see something about ourselves. We see something about the very character of Satan. And we see something that's extremely encouraging about the power of God. So I want to ask you to join me in standing as we read this together, beginning in verse 6 of chapter 1. Here's what the Bible tells us. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray together. God, help us to understand what took place on this day. May we be held accountable, but may we also be encouraged. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the first thing I want to point out to you, because there's three people that are involved in this passage, there's Job, Satan, and God. And I think if we look at each one of them one at a time, we learn something about, first of all, God's measure of man. The Bible says here, verse 8 that we just read, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Now, I want you to notice very carefully what God says. First, he says that there is none like him on the earth. There is none like him on 
the earth. Do you know that no one escapes the notice of God? God was aware of Job, but God was also aware of everyone else. And after seeing the life and the heart of everyone else, God said about Job, there is none like him on the earth. There are many times in Scripture when God references people against all the rest of creation. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, here's what the Bible says about Moses. It says, now the man Moses was very meek. Now notice what it says here. More than all people who were on the face of the earth. Do you know how God knows that Moses was more meek than any other person on the face of the earth? Because God knows every person on the face of the earth. In 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 30, it speaks about Solomon. And it says, so that Solomon's wisdom, notice this, surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and the wisdom of Egypt. God knew who was the meekest. God knew who was the wisest. And then in the Gospel of Matthew, the Bible tells us about the Lord Jesus' comment about John the Baptist. And here's what Jesus said. He said, Matthew eleven eleven. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. When every example, we see that God is aware of every person. Have you ever had a time in your life that you wondered why? Why doesn't God see what this nation is doing? Why doesn't God see who this person is? There's never been a person that's escaped the notice of God. And the Bible tells us that God is measuring our actions in verse 8 notice what he says and the lord said to satan have you considered my servant job that there is none like him on the earth and here's what he says a blameless and upright man now last week we looked at the first few verses verses 1 through 5 the bible said this about job and now god is saying it directly again that job was a blameless and upright man you see, God was aware of Job, and God was aware of everyone else. And God was also aware of everything that Job had, had done. And he is measuring the very actions of Job. And having measured Job, he says to Satan that Job is a blameless and upright man. Many times we're, we're so worried about what other people think of us. The only reason that we need to worry about what other people think is when it comes to our credibility for ministry and for witness. That's the only time we need to worry about what other people think. We don't want to live our life in such a way that people think that we're a phony and a fraud. We want people to understand that we're genuine and we believe what we say we believe. Therefore, we have credibility to share the gospel with them credibility to minister to them that's the only time we need to worry about what other people think the rest of the time we need to be worried about what god thinks god sees every one of us 
and he knows what we do and we may measure ourselves against other people and say I'm a wonderful person compared to all my neighbors. I'm a wonderful person compared to all my coworkers. I'm a wonderful person compared to everybody that lives in my house. But you know what the measuring stick of God is? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God is, God is watching, and he's measuring our actions, but you know he's also measuring our devotion. The Bible says here about Job, a blameless and upright man, notice this, who fears God who fears God. There's a lot of things that you can fake in this life, but you cannot fake a fear of God and not before him. God knows the intention of our heart. There will be times when people don't understand you. Maybe people falsely accuse you. People think you've done something you haven't done. They think you intended something that, that you didn't intend. But God, God will never falsely accuse you. God knows the truth about our actions and our motives and our devotion. And God said about Job that he was a man who feared him. As we talked about last week, not this kind of terror that we're afraid, but a holy awe and reverence before God. So God is noticing all of us. And he's measuring our actions and our devotion. But I want you to notice a second thing that we learn here is we see Satan's words. We see Satan's attack. The, the Bible says here in verses 6 and 7, now there was a day when the sons of God, and, and if you're not familiar with that phrase, it's used throughout the Bible to describe angels. It says, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Remember that Satan is an angel. God created angels, and Satan decided he didn't want to be an angel. He wanted to be like God. And so he rebelled against God, and when he did, a third of the angels rebelled and went with him. And so the Bible says here that Satan came among them. And it says, the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth. I want you to notice that when Satan came into the throne room of God, he was just a visitor. He was a tolerated guest. The earth is his domain. You see, Satan is the ruler of this world. In John chapter 6, verse 12, this is just one of three instances where Jesus specifically describes Satan in this way. He says, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. It is Jesus himself that describes Satan on multiple occasions as the ruler of this world. And so God says to Satan, he says, where have you been? And he says, I've been going to and fro on the earth, walking up and down on it. Satan is among us. He's not omnipresent like God. He can't be everywhere at all times. He's just a created being. He's not like the creator. But he is among us, and he's the ruler of this, this world. Jesus, as he taught us to pray, this is what he said. He said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And here's what we're to pray for, your kingdom come. Your will be done on 
earth as it is in heaven. You see, in heaven, God rules with total and absolute power. But on this earth, Satan and his followers are roaming and looking for all they can entice and destroy. And you say, why doesn't God do something? God has done something. God has sent his only son to die for our sins, to establish his kingdom in this place. But God's kingdom is not defined by geographical territory, nor is it tyrannical in rule or oppressive. God has given us the freedom to choose to love him and to serve him. And you can't have the freedom to love without the freedom to rebel. And so Jesus taught us to pray that here on this earth, this place where Satan is the ruler of this earth, that we would pray that God's will would be done here as it is in heaven. Jesus said, your kingdom come. So God says to Satan, he says, where have you been? Satan says, I've been, I've been roaming across the earth looking for whom I might devour next. Those are not his words in this passage, but that's the intention of his heart as we see throughout the Bible. So while God is measuring mankind, Satan is measuring the goodness of God. So listen to what Satan says as he interacts with the Lord. He says in verse 8, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Here's what Satan says, verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. God says, Satan, have you considered Job? And Satan says, well, who wouldn't worship you if you protected everything and blessed everything? So Satan is measuring the goodness of God in the life of Job. Do you know that Satan's intent is to harm you there's many people that that do not understand this today because after all satan is the father of lies he loves deception and many people believe that satan is good i had a lady in my church in atlanta that was saved she was a believer there in our congregation. But before she was a believer in the Lord Jesus, she was a witch. You say, well, why would anybody be a witch? I don't know if you know this or not, but a lot of those people get saved. Because they entered into witchcraft because they were seeking something. They knew there was more to life than just what they could see. And they were looking for answers. And here's what she said they told her. They told her that that Satan was the good one. And God had tricked Satan. And she, she entered into this religion. Only later did she discover the truth about the Lord Jesus and came 
to faith in him. Friends, don't be afraid of witches. Just pray for them and love them and share with them the message about Jesus. You may find they're much easier to talk to than atheists and people that are consumed with materialism and so arrogant they think they have no need. Satan wants to harm people, and he wants to harm you. And so in verse 11, he says to God, but stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. Here's what Jesus said about Satan in John 10, 10. He said, the thief, that's Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So we look at Job. In God's description, we see that man, man is measured by God. And sometimes that's overwhelming when we think about our weakness. We know the intent of Satan is to harm us. He wants to wreck your life in any way that he can. He wants to ruin your testimony, destroy your marriage, wreck your finances, and take away your health. He's willing to let you experience all kinds of pleasure in the moment, all kinds of prosperity, if that's what it takes to alienate you from God and destroy your life. That's who he is. He's the father of lies. But here's the encouraging part. God is all powerful. So I want you to notice that Satan has to ask for the permission of God. Have you ever went to someone who wasn't in authority over you to ask for permission? Do you think generals go to privates in the military and ask for permission to go to war? Do you think professors come into their classes and say to the students, now freshmen, do you think it would be okay if we had an exam this semester? We don't go to people who are not in authority over us to ask for permission. But Satan must go before God to ask for permission. And so in verse 12, it says, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Now notice this. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So God tells him exactly what he will allow, but then he sets a boundary and says, Satan, you can't move any farther from this. You know why? Because God is in control. Satan presents himself to God. God does not meet up with Satan. It says in verse 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. The Bible doesn't answer all of our questions about what the throne room of God looks like. But it doesn't make it clear that God is the one who is on the throne and everyone else comes to present themselves before God. I want you to notice that it's Satan that goes out from the presence of God. It says in verse 12, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand, only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Later, Job, after much wrestling 
with why God is allowing all these things to happen to him. Here's what he says in the last part of the book of Job. This is 42 chapters ahead of where we are right now. In Job 42, verse 2, here's what he says. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. You see, Job began to understand that God was all-powerful. Sometimes we, we look at life, and in the moment, we have no logical explanation. I, I look back at my life, and I see things, and in that time, I, I wondered why, why was this happening to me? I had an experience one time in a school that I don't have time to tell you the story. And in the midst of that pain, I, I, thought, I thought, why? Why is this happening to me? And then later I saw God use that tremendously in my ministry. And I realized that my pain of yesterday was my power for today. God was using something. He was doing that. And there have been other times in my life that I look back and even in hindsight, I don't know or understand. And I know that many of us have not read the entire book of Job, and I'm certainly not going to preach through the entire book of Job. But if you read it, you'll see that not even at the end of the book does Job know why this has happened. If God revealed to Job what happened in this lifetime, it's not recorded in Scripture. I wonder if Job sits in heaven and reads this book. You and I have the privileged insight to look into his life and to see that God had a purpose and that God was still in control. And that may not be a specific answer to why you're sick or to why your children have left you. It may not be a specific reason for why you are in a financial crisis, but it does give us great hope to know that we're not unnoticed before God. He has not forgotten about us, and we are not living a life of random coincidences and struggles. God's intent for us is good. So let us fear the Lord. Let us be blameless and upright. Let us turn away from evil like Job did. And let's let God deal with Satan. Let us put our hope and our trust in him. Maybe someday, like Job, we'll come to the point of faith and understanding that we can say to God, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Let's pray together. God, help us when we don't understand and don't appreciate what's happening to us. Father, I pray this morning for every person that may be confused, hurting, struggling. I pray if it's your will, you give them insight to their pain. But if not, give them faith 
to believe and trust in you. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. As we close this service today, I want to invite you to make a decision. You see, there comes a time in our life when we begin to understand that we aren't able to fix all of our problems. And so we go looking and we go searching. This is why people get into false religions. This is why people want to make more money. This is why people do all kinds of things to solve their problems. At some point, at the end of the day, we hopefully are going to understand that Jesus is the answer to all of our problems. And so if you're here today and you're overwhelmed with guilt about sin, maybe you've been trying to make up for your sin by doing good things, Maybe you've been trying to undo your sin in some way. The bad news is that will never work. Uh, the good news is it doesn't need to. Jesus has done everything for you that needs to be done. You see, when he went to the cross, he paid for your sin. He paid for mine. And if we'll simply ask in faith, he will forgive us. And what he did on the cross can be applied to our sin debt so that we can be paid in full. So if you've never been forgiven, when we begin to sing in just a moment, if you would just say a quick prayer to the Lord. It's not about certain words. It's about a believing heart. Just tell the Lord that you believe in him. You understand that Jesus died for you and you want to be forgiven and live for him. Maybe here today and you don't understand why you're going through what you're going through. You trusted in Jesus, you went to Sunday school, you tithed, you did everything you thought you were supposed to do, you read your Bible every day, and now you're sick, now you're alienated from your kids, now you have all these problems. I want to encourage you to turn to God for hope. Put your faith and trust in him. There are many reasons that we suffer. On occasion, we may even suffer because God has a specific purpose for it in our lives. Not always, but on some occasions. Whatever your reason, I can't tell you. But God knows and he is all powerful. And our hope comes from believing and trusting in him. So if that's you here today and you're deeply hurting, could I just invite you to take Jesus up on his invitation when he told us to cast all of our cares upon him. And here's why. Because he cares for you. As we sing, I urge you to respond to the Lord. Let's stand together. Oh, to Jesus. 